Little trouble there. Not, not quite my tempo. Here we go. Five, six, and. Not quite my tempo. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and. Dragging just a hair. Wait for my cue. Five, six, seven. Are you gonna be on my fucking time? Pat Smith, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me here. And of course, we have my co-host Henrik. Still here, still to just plainly make you nervous. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah Cody, they they are following you. They are looking at you. The whole world is just going to look at you now. Oof, oof, stage fright. We're <laughs> we're gonna have a little bit of that today. So. Mr. Pat, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You are a musician, as it ha- as it happens, which fits tonight's episode when we are talking about the movie Whiplash. Yeah, sure. I, I am. I, I be- I'm 44 years old. I began me- with me dicking around music when I was four years old. You know, primary school. It's the the recorder, the triangle, the tambourine. Um, at five years old, I started playing the trumpet. Um, I got to, I think, grade six, maybe grade seven, if I remember correctly, um, and then stopped because it, I, I didn't want to do the, the whole Salvation Army thing that I was being pushed into. And um, then I, I picked up the guitar and I fell in love with music properly, self-taught. And after playing for 38 years... And literally, that instrument keeping me alive by living on the streets of Europe. I still, I still pay attention to the greats across the board, not solely on guitar, but across the board in music. Um, simply because, as it is, you can give me any instrument, and I can figure out. Firstly, once I figure out how to play it, then I can put music together. How long have you been out, kind of on the on the streets, and like, how serious has the situation been for you? Really, just feeding oh. yourself with the guitar at points. Yeah, going through bins to look for food. Been there, done that. Got the T-shirt. I guess we have to touch on that <laughs> wonderful piece of rock right now. At... Gibraltar. Uh, yeah, Gibraltar. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Gibraltar. That's where we. Como español. Right. It was like at this point, exactly, almost exactly ten years ago. Uh, when we met there. Christ, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it must be about that. 2013 um, November-ish? Yeah. 
Yeah, wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, man, it's been a long time since <laughs> well, you and I have known each other. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so anyway, we ha happened to have a kind of a good conversations going on there and just kept in touch. And yeah, absolutely. Discussing ever since. Drums, drums. What's your touching point on drums? Drums. Oh, well, the touching points I have on drums are the likes of John Bonham, Led Zeppelin, outstanding drummer. Far and away, he will, he took, he, at, for the time, he took it to another level completely. Now, since John Bonham, there have been some absolutely incredible drummers throughout the rock industry. And mm. um, the, the most notable of late for me would be Danny Carey, the drummer from Tool. Oh Just, my God. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he, he takes, he takes it to another level. And yeah. I did a, a whole different ball game with, with some of the stuff that he comes out with. From the melodies, the melodic side of it, to even getting on stage with three drum kits, each tuned to a different key. I wouldn't understand such nuances, except, except I know what I like. I have ears still, as far as I know. And so yeah, sure. Tool is what I gravitate towards many times. It's, it's one of my favorite bands, yes. And... I can easily listen to it just for the drums because it's that good. Yeah. Okay. To go into um, to go into the film Whiplash, which we're supposed to be discussing, mm. the the one thing that the majority of jazz musicians forget about is that it's not about the solo. It's the same in rock. Like you take Guns N' Roses, it's all about Slash. You take Metallica, and it's all about James Hetfield. You take, for example, the Chili Peppers, and predominantly it's about Flea on the bass. Now, this is outstanding because there's no question about it. These are outstanding musicians. But the one thing that is most often forgotten about in jazz is that it's not about the solo musician. It's about the sound that comes out of the speakers. It's the sound as a whole. It's a complete sound that comes out of the speakers. It's not about some solo, solo person within the collective on stage. If you have 10 musicians on stage, nine of them are shit, but you've got one great one, it doesn't make that a great band. In the movie, it's depicted in a way that this is highly, highly choreographed craft, and, and, and there is really no room for error, whereas in something like bluesy guitar stuff, like what Slash does, errors are the kind of part and parcel of that show, whereas <laughs> looks like for Fletcher, it's not. But then he does encourage some improvisation also, some some feels. I, I would yeah. say, to, to, to reference Fletcher in this, and to use this point, remember we're talking about somebody who can't. He's, he's trying to teach, which means he can't. I.e. those who can't teach. Yeah? I mean, we hear him, and it's, it's very low level what he's playing on the piano. I mean, I, 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 can, I can learn what he's playing in less than a month. And I can't play the piano. Okay, hey, let's discuss that. Uh, Fletcher playing the piano. H Henrik, how, how does it come off to you? Because I thought it sounds kind of enjoyable, but at the same time, it's not something like... It's obviously not something that requires a high level of skill, right? The J.K. Simmons did learn that on piano with great effort. He's not a piano player, but, but he was able to kind of learn it. He does play some piano. So yeah, it doesn't seem like it was intentional for this film that we show a Fletcher who is not as, you know, 
I perhaps able musically as we would like to think of him as. It wasn't any kind of a revelation that, okay, he's not actually the kind of a badass that he shows off as being. No, um, my take on the scene was that the movie tries to argue that Fletcher is some type of a badass jazz ma- master. Yeah. And to me, the scene itself was trying to tell that that what Fletcher is playing is some groundbreaking jazz. Everybody is there listen, uh, listening quietly. And uh, there is even an ADR compliment given to Fletcher how, how great he was on piano. But in all honesty, I have to actually side with Pat here. Fletcher, what, what we hear in, in the film from Fletcher, it, it might be really great piano performance from J.K. Simmons, but coming from Fletcher, the character, it's it's nothing. It's, it's fucking yeah. rubbish. It, it sounds nice, I give you that, but it's yeah. the exact same ding, 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 ding that you hear in... It plays in background of every restaurant if they have some type of a soundtrack playing in there. It is the cue-in restaurant jazz album soundtrack of basically every honed-in scene of basically any movie. So you're saying that it's the Starbucks album that he is talking about? (laughs) It is. Fletcher is playing (laughs) most milk-toast Starbucks-esque jazz possible in that scene. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I mean, don't get me wrong on this. For J.K. Simmons to have learned that and played that, that's that's a feat worth applauding. You know? Oh yeah. Because he's he's not a musician. Right. Yeah. He, you know, he's not a musician. So therefore, for him to be able to learn that and achieve that and accomplish that, very well done. Absolutely, I applaud that. But the character mm-hmm. that he's portraying is supposed to be some diehard jazz musician who's lived his life on the lived his life by the nails and he's you know lived on the wire and done it all from birth and been brought up and da da wow 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 jazz 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 and if that's the the summit of his accomplishments well I, I I'd ask for my money back to be honest and I'd ask for the receipt to be given back so that I could purchase again. Although I understand that J.K. Simmons was supposed to be a conductor somewhere uh, in some point in his life, but then he chose something else, such as acting. Yeah, but yep. a, a conductor counts to four and waves his arms in time to that. Yeah, that's, yep. what a, that's not to be derogatory, but that's what a conductor does. That's right. what Fletcher does in this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bloody contests where he's supposed to show off and flex off how great he is. Regarding yeah. the conducting. Uh, Pat, I might throw this at you. So in terms of all the the musical terms that he uses during the film and the signs, like, is there anything that jumped at you that was not correct? Well, no, because it's all it's, it's all how a person would, regardless of the person, it's all about how any person would con- uh, communicate. Mm. So we're talking about base level communication, trying to communicate their ideas across to other people for that to get the, the other people to do what that person wants them to do. So the, the terms used, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there is a guy over there that says it like that. Maybe there's another guy over there that says it differently, but right. they mean the same thing. The, the connotations used, the terms used, yeah, maybe, maybe they are right. Maybe they are wrong. Who knows? Because it's all on from a personal level. I mean, if I were to tell you how to record... X podcast using X terms 
And then some other guy from across the way comes and says, no, 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 do it Y way and use Y terms to say so. But the end result is the same. It makes no difference which words are used to tell the person how to do it. Right. Just, do you see the point? Yeah. Uh, did you feel that, that Fletcher plays, plays a role here? That he's not exactly himself when it, he's just showing off when he comes to the classroom at the right second? Well, in that respect, you have to remember that the world of jazz is potentially the most pretentious and arrogant side of music in the world. And I don't I don't say that lightly. If you look at if you look at where jazz comes from, it's the blues guitarist got bored. <laughs> to put to put it in its most simple terms. And it really is. The the blues guitarist playing 12 bar blues, 8 bar blues, E A E A E A D, E A E A E A D. He got bored. <laughs> so then he puts the diminished sevens, the suspended ninths, the suspended fourths in, the minor suspended sevenths, all of these different chords, and then put it all together, and you get the crazy licks that come through. Now, when it comes to Fletcher himself, and he's pushing for the kid to go faster on the drums, to play in this time, that time, the other time, etc., etc. Now, that's all classic. That's all classic jazz drumming. However, what he's trying to do is achieve something that isn't achievable simply because the vast majority of the jazz that they are playing in that film was written off the cuff. It was it was inspired then and there. There was right. nothing written down. There were there were guidelines, but as long as they stayed within those guidelines, they could play anything within them and and have the result the desired result. Yeah, like And that's when they were written, remember. That's when they were de- originally designed or originally played. So the recordings that they they're trying to emulate on this film are recordings of maybe live performances from 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And they've never been played again by the same pe- by the people who wrote them because they can't. <laughs> uh, it, it, you some that the thing with the music world of music is, don't get me wrong, take your Ed Sheeran's. All right, take Ed Sheeran as an example. 110, maybe 150, maybe 120 beats a minute for his his, his songs, and it's all a, uh, a minor, C, F, G, and that's it. Those four chords, that's it. So that's easy to replicate, simple to replicate, time and time and time again. But when you're talking about when these guys who were doing the jazz, this jazz, when it was first done. And they managed somehow to actually get a re- snatch a recording of it. This isn't something that they were even aware they were playing half the time. Right. They didn't know that they were doing it, but it sounded amazing. And I've done it. I've got. I mean, there's, I know there's a few people that have live recordings of me on stage when I've been jamming with other people, mm-hmm. and to to them, they're hearing this beautiful, amazing, ethereal, wonderful thing. They asked me what I played, and I couldn't tell them because I don't know. And it's that simple. I don't know what I was playing at that point in time. All I knew, oh, it's that's that note, right? So that's there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we go from there, and just throw something together. So, in 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 that sense, you would would you say that it's kind of perverse or or pretentious to put it on the books how to play that music? I I I don't think it's perverse or pretentious to put it on the books to play that music. I do, however, think it is highly pretentious to demand it from people you are trying to teach. Mm. Well, that actually was something that was really pissing me off too. 
while watching the movie or not not really like not not meaning pissing me off in the sense that I thought that the movie was garbage but pissing me off in the sense that I thought that Fletcher was complete garbage because coming yes. from that point yeah. point that jazz is in large part it is improvisation and yes jazz has a lead into even more even greater improvisational uh, subcategories like scat singing for example yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, due, due, due to its improvisational nature and it was like I, I was almost pulling my hair out here looking at Fletcher who is and comes off as as a badass jazz teacher emphasis on the word teacher as someone who is supposed to teach these kids who are in a music academy and he does not teach anything about improvisation or feeling the music or jumping into the beat no. or anything about that what he just teaches is how to play extremely fast and he hit every note on time on sheets of paper yeah. and I was like that's that's not teaching anything at turning a musician into a dictaphone basically basically yes absolutely or is it te teaching you the technicalities first and when you have those technicalities in place no. then you can improvise no no it isn't simply because he's all he's doing is shouting at them he's just shouting at him because he can't he isn't able or at that moment he is able to do it there's no question about that the, the boy playing the drums he ha or the character playing the drums should i say has the ability to play it Otherwise, he wouldn't be in that school, in that room, being the person that this Precisely. guy wants him to be. Precisely. He's you a know? music ad academy, which means that he already, act he at least knows the technical edges, how to play fucking drums. Yes, exactly. And, and he knows how to actually play drums well. That is how, in the opening of the film, he caught Fletcher's eye. Yeah. I would say that if you're in a general school, you're you're in a primary school. You don't need the kind of character that Fletcher is. No, definitely not. But when you start to specialize in something like music, in this case, I feel that it in our culture nowadays, everyone is on the honor roll. Like I said to to Pat to kind of quote George Carlin on there. I think people need some different techniques than just good job. There should be somebody who is pushing you. No, I, I agree with that completely. I agree with that completely. You know, there is an element, there's an element of that, absolutely. However, what I will say to that is, had I been that drummer, had I been him and playing that and doing everything I could to do it to achieve it, and I had that guy throw a chair at me, I'd have put his head through the fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, that's that's extreme. Done. Yeah, then, you know, you, you can't, you can't nurture talent, nurture skills by bullying. Perhaps not, but maybe some level of bullying might be in order. No, no. Bullying, is, bull, bullying is derogatory. Bullying brings people down. Bullying makes people, especially musicians or artists as a whole, it puts them inside their own shell and further stifles them. There is a, there is a, I, I've noticed a larger kind of societal discussion that goes into how do we actually, how we train the greats, how do we get results? It has been going on for something like, I don't know, from the 60s of the sports scene, as far as I've been able to track it down. And it's a misunderstandment 
of a basic rule of getting better and basic rule of teaching. Like what, what Curry said is is co- is correct. Like there should be a challenge being presented to your students so that they can push against that challenge. Pushing yes, against, of course, against yeah, pushing against some challenge actually helps you get better. Yeah, but, but it's how to push. Exactly, exactly, and how to present that bloody challenge. Yes, Shout, shouting yeah. and screaming because you're a fucking useless white guy that's just waving a magic wand in front of a bunch of musicians and have that guy throw things at you is not going to help the students learn. Precisely, and it's not just a problem that I, I saw in whip, Whiplash. It's a problem that I, more or less, I see constantly uh, in different venues with the repeated results. The, the yeah. first time I actually noticed this one was, was in, in the sports scenes. It was uh, NBA and basketball and all that jazz, where basically we had these coaches who were really extreme on their methods. One, one coach even choked a player do, uh, during a game. to And like, like these really extreme, rixt, I- extreme actions were taken. And all of them were kind of a hand waved away by this magical notion that, well, he's a hard coach. He's strict, but he's fair. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, 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 yeah. We we need these tactics to get the, the best out of the players. And when those teams won the matches where they played, well, then they were the matches were used as a justification to the coach's tactics. Like, yeah. that coach had to choke a player on the play field. <laughs> Otherwise, that team couldn't have won the game. And sure. Yeah. And what people failed to, uh, to understand in those situations was that the team won despite of the coach, not because of the coach. The coach was some 300-pound hippo who was yeah. physically incapable of playing the bloody game. He was physically... Yeah. He was incapable of leading by example. Yep. But but yet, basically, every outreach that he made was hand-waved away simply because, despite of his best practices, the team still somehow managed to win games. And then you yeah. see this also in game development, where we have the bloody crunch, crunch culture. And the same song is once again being sa- sang. We The game development, the game teams, they have to have to take part in crunch in order to push out great games. And then you have something like Cyberpunk 2077. Six months of crunch and the game is a broken mess. It takes two years for the team to actually patch it into a working order. And that's why... It's basically, it's the same bloody argument once again. The same argument that Fletcher uses to shield himself from criticism and to justify his actions. Yeah. And the end result is exactly the, the same. The kid can't play... Or he can't really play jazz. He can just, you know, play the notes he has memorized. The team can win, but they did win despite the coach. And in game development, Cyberpunk 2077 launched as a broken mess. Can I interject here on this? Because I agree agree with everything you're saying. But I want to reiterate the point that what... Everything you've described is for a football team and a basketball team, a cricket team, and well, not a cricket team because you know, um, a rugby team, for example. So you've got your coach on the sideline, he's screaming and shouting orders at a bunch of men who are pumped full of adrenaline, 
they are in a, an energetic, maybe even a violent. Oh yeah, with rugby, for example, it's a violent game. So you, these guys are big. They are essentially warriors, and they are out there fighting for their country, their team, whatever, whatever, however you want to put it. So they are angry and pumped, full of adrenaline. So having that same same ethos applied to a band, a band of musicians who are trying to create something wonderful from the speakers, not them, not them individually. It's the the overall sound that comes out of the speakers that is important. So you can't apply this. Like I said, I agree with everything you've just said. You can't apply the same logic, the same tactics to a band of young musicians as you would apply to a football team, an American football team, a basketball team, an ice hockey team or a rugby team, because it just doesn't work. That's dictating through terrorism. Yeah. And and to continue from that point, I'm actually stealing this from, from a YouTube channel, which whose name I can't remember at the moment, but the channel made a good point that Whiplash presents music and jazz playing, not as as jazz playing, but as as a sports movie. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiplash is, yeah, Whiplash is a sports movie that masquerades itself as a movie about jazz. Yeah. And I actually quite strongly side with that notion looking at how or what Fletcher actually is demanding from his pupils here. They pretty much the only requisite that Fletcher is giving out to the drummers is that they have to play fast. It's it's constantly what what is the one thing that Fletcher is griping about throughout the film? It's the fucking tempo. It's always the tempo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not tempo. fast enough. Your hands ain't bleeding enough. Yeah. There is not enough blisters and not even enough blood on this symbol. Yeah. Well, on that score, on just just interjecting it on that score, any conductor of a band that is happy that his drummer's hands are bleeding, get out. Get get out. Just yeah. leave. You are you are not welcome in front of this band that is trying to create, as I said before, the sound from the speakers. Yeah, that part is of of course kind of ex- extreme in the movie and just just make tra- yeah, trying to make it more cinematic and entertaining. But yeah, and it's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I shit you not. I can remember, of course, must be eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and I'd been playing my guitar so hard throughout the day, and I'd had no water, and I split my finger, my fingertip, wide open. I could see the bone. Now, instead of stopping and letting it heal, I used super glue to put it back together again. Oof. And then I carried on playing. Yeah. Now, that's but... that, that's, an, that's an extreme example. But to, to use the context of the, your drummer's hand bleeding in that film, firstly, if his hands are bleeding, he can't hold the sticks. Mm-hmm. They're slipping out of his hands because there's liquid in between the, the, his hand and the sticks. So there's no chance of him him being able to finish what he's doing. Yeah, mm. as as is evident in the the second competition scene where Miles comes in into sits behind the drums after being in a bloody car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I know the likes of John Bonham. He'd have done that. Def Leppard drummer. He'd have gotten there. Yeah, just smash the kit. You know, he ended up playing with his hands most of the time, not even using sticks. Yeah, when it comes to Fletcher trying to get the speed out of the drummers, it's just part of his bullying in the movie 
nothing more, yeah. nothing less. Just trying, trying to get the, trying to bully out the, the skill somehow. As well, I reiterate the point on that is the fact that the recording, the recorded piece of music that they they've notated, so they have the notes for every single note that was played during that. It was taken from a recording of a band that could never repeat the music again. Mm-hmm. It was all off the cuff. But Beth, isn't there something to be said about the reaching proficiency and these kind of old-fashioned tactics? Maybe minus the extreme and and the. Physical abuse and maybe abuse in general, but when it, when you reach a certain amount of proficiency in whatever you do, if it's Chinese Chinese or drumming, there are very few of those who who pass that barrier from just okay level to some kind of proficiency or, or greatness. And so to get there, it's not going to be fun per se. So you need a kind of way of pain, and that way of pain might be your instructor, not in the level of Fletcher. But something a All bit right. extreme, right? I, I can I can give an example of, of this to, as of today. Now I, I do some volunteer work over. We have an acre of land that we're farming to so that the people, anybody who has nothing, can have food. So we're growing potatoes, we're growing leeks, we're growing onions, we're growing lots of different foods on the land, and then we give it to people who have nothing. All right. So nice. we have we have a yeah it is uh, we have we have a, a hut there where we cook up some food afterwards. So we had sat down for some food. Now um, this young lad comes comes in each week, and he has um, uh, down he's, he has Down syndrome. Hmm. Now he was grinning like a Cheshire cat when he saw me sat there. He rushed back out and he brought in his new guitar. He he bought himself a oh he'd been given a guitar earlier today by his grandmother. He comes in and he sits down and I play a bit. It's a nice little guitar, you know, it's got a really nice sound to it for something. So and it is only a cheap guitar, but it's it's a really nice sounding guitar. And he can't play chords yet. He can't play guitar yet. So I just told him straight, everything, every moment that you put into it, you will receive back. So the more you put into it, the more you will receive from it. So in what you've just said about how there is an element of the bullying, there is an element of the the fierceness, etc., of the teacher to the student. It's the mistake that people make because that isn't nurturing the talent. That isn't inviting the student to play more, to learn more. It's just telling the student that they're not doing it well enough for their expectations, for the teacher's expectations. Let's let's uh, make it clear, though, that Damien Chazelle, in his own words, says that he didn't mean this movie to be like a like a win at the end of the movie. It was supposed to be something a bit sick and twisted. And what what has this Fletcher instructor made Andy to become? And, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, that out of the way. But I mean, as as a film, I thought it was a great film. It's a very good film. Not yeah. not a great film, but a good. It's a good film. Okay. But it doesn't it doesn't depict a a quality style of teaching from the from the person who was there to teach but the funny it doesn't the perverse just, thing is that it's working right in andrew's it's case not. he he, he it's, comes yeah, it's not he comes through the barrier and becomes the great drummer that he always wanted to be no he, no, he doesn't no he doesn't he he no he doesn't he already he, he already is the great drummer that he always wanted to be all he does at the end of that is show the teacher that's been bullying him that he can do what the teacher wants. Okay, yeah. fair, could be seen in that way. Uh, because, but still, the, the thing about being master of your craft in anything 
it that requires abandoning virtually everything else in your life and that's what you see at the end of the film to put that into context then if you get that same kid who's drumming in that film and ask him to play Cherub Rock by the Smashing Pumpkins. Ask him to play, I, I don't know, uh, Give It Away by the Chili Peppers. I guarantee he won't be able to do the same without uh, weeks of practice. And yet the, those drum beats are far simpler than the stuff that he's playing on stage. Because mm -hmm. he's been, he has been honed into that one style. And I'm not saying, there, there's a phrase in English called Jack of All Trades, Master of None. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, this kid would be the master of his jazz art. Okay, fine, fantastic. But in that same instance, he's not creating anything. He is only replicating what has already been. Okay, but look at the most of the greats of the entire history of humankind. And th these are always some kind of what you would describe maybe as freaks, the people who just isolate themselves from the rest of the, the environment and just dedicate all of their living living moments to learning that and mastering that craft. That's what they do. In fact, surprisingly few of them actually ever pull that stunt. Yeah. Most of, well, most of the the grades that we look up look up on, it of course depends on what is the field you are looking for your grades. Are we now talking about, you know, sloppy disgusting film podcasters? Or are we talking about jazz musicians? Are we talking about painters? Are we talking about actors? Of course, of course, may depend kind of from scene to scene, but in most cases, the greats didn't have to sacrifice everything in the altar of their art. No, they chose to sacrifice their lives for their art. M most, most of the the greats actually managed to have family lives, managed to have friends, managed yeah. to have other points in their other things in their lives than just their bloody art. Take J.K. Simmons, for example, who won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his role as Fletcher here. Best Unsupportive Actor. Didn't sa sacrifice everything in the art of, of, you know, acting. Has a family life. Has friends. Yeah, no, but I think there are a fair share of those who also need that complete solitude and isolation. Like... You have to shut out every other noise, including your girlfriend's noise. <laughs> so, and so greatness is not for everybody. I think what this what this film is sharing well, with me, and greatness is not necessarily even something you should strive for, because it takes too much of your your time and your responsibilities as an adult person. You have to take care of others as well. Uh, your second yeah. point, I would agree with. The first point where you said greatness isn't for everybody. Well, the bottom line with that is that. That's that's apathetic, simply because nobody knows if they're going to be great or not. And it requires all the effort to find out if you are. Well, it's kind of if, if you have... Um, it's a juxtaposition, I know that, but... But to really master something, I think it takes that special effort, which might require of, some yeah, of sacrifices. Course, of course, of course. And, but that's down to the person. That's all down to the person who is attempting to achieve it they yeah. may achieve it they may not but it's down to them to make that choice for themselves and uh, the point and the point in this is or the point i'm trying to make in this is where you have a drummer who's he, and beyond a doubt he's he's exceptional you know he is an ex or at least the character of the, in this is an exceptional drummer and yet i bring in the likes uh like i said um danny carey 
You have, I, I have a friend of mine who is far and away the best drummer I have ever heard in my life. And right now all he does is shift furniture. You know, he, he yeah. moves people from one house to another. He plays drums about once a week at home, on his own, alone, and doesn't play to the public. So nobody would even know that he's great, even though his skill set is beyond belief. Yeah, but I don't think it. I don't think it takes anything away from the film's part of its point that that some people, at least, they require this kind of a uh, succumb to madness so that they can be great according to them, or at least get the uh, validation from from an instructor, whatever the case. But there are right. those people, okay, okay. and then well, there are those people school, who are virtuosos from day one. Sure, but on on that score, let me ask you this. What do you define as a successful musician? A successful musician is someone who is technically able to to play and entertain people and get that validation from the audience, I would say. Why do they need the audience to validate them? Not necessarily. They're but either good or they're not. They either have a skill set or they don't. Sure. This, but I mean, as far as remember, do you want to continue as a drummer without validation? Probably not. But then I'll bring in my friend Alex, who's an exceptional drummer, possibly the best I've ever heard in my life, mm. and he doesn't play to an audience. Mm. He might pick up his drumsticks once a week, but he spends his days moving other people's furniture for them. Yeah, you see. But he's he is a successful drummer simply because he is very good at playing the drums. Doesn't need anybody else to tell him that. He knows he can play the drums. Fair, true. Yeah, so the the audience validation. The one thing I found is that most people, I'm not saying you guys, but the majority of people would class success as having a lot of money in the bank account. I'll, I'll reference the Czech cellist who at 86 years old was asked under interview, You're, you've, you've played all over the world. You've played with this orchestra, that orchestra, that orchestra, that orchestra. You are known as one of the greatest cellists ever played. So why do you still practice? And his answer was this. Because I believe I'm making progress. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, a, a great musician, a master musician, isn't somebody who can do everything, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's one that continues to learn. Yeah, as in any craft. Yeah, well, not any craft, but their chosen field, their chosen specific, i.e. whether it's the cello, whether it's the recorder, whether it's the violins, whether it's the, I don't know, whichever, whichever instrument it is, their chosen instrument. It's, for me, it, it's the willingness to continue learning. Yeah, there's no goal line. Yeah, because there's learning is infinite. So in in terms of of just the mu movie itself, not so much the music side of things. So any general thoughts? Yeah, I I think it was a wonderful film. I do. I I really do. I think there's a lot of flaws to it. I think there are things that should have been done differently, and there are, there are things that made me quite angry in it. Um, but overall, it's an acceptable film. I would I would say that it, in many ways it's an exceptionally fine film how it's constructed in the first four minutes we get the main characters introduced we get their motivation their their character it's all there done bam and then we get to you know yeah, sure. the, all the specifics and all the other supporting characters so so it's not too difficult to do when there's a ca no. cast of five yeah an absolutely fine cast of cast of characters and actors there and extremely fine cutting uh, it's it's got like a tempo It's hard to stop watching this movie. It just keeps on going. 
Herrick. Uh, I'm not going to agree with you on that one, but yeah. All right. Herrick, why, how was it for you, technically? Uh, technically, it's I think it's a good, if not even a great film. My problems with the movie are not on on technical levels. My problems with the film are more with what the film might be saying and with the main question that I I felt the film was trying to ask. I think it's saying whatever you wanted to be saying the Damien Chazelle was looking for something I guess in in between that that this is this is a guy who is a bit fucked up by the end and this is not exactly what you should aim for. Then there are the people in the audience who went to watch this and were like, "Oh, oh yeah, I agree with this 100%. You you should be you know, the whole the spare the rod spoil the child is true." So, which is validated by the contents of the film, which is not what I believe. Uh, what Damien Chazelle was trying to do, I guess, was to find some type of a 10 to 20 years too late justification for his own experiences in the hands of his own music teacher, who, well, Damien himself credits on turning him into a good musician, also much turning him into a guy who apparently hasn't played any music for the past, what, 20, 30 years? Don't you exactly remember when... Chazel was supposed to have this experience in the hands of his own own music tutor, but well, he didn't turn out into a bloody musician. That's damn damn sure. Seeing how he's today, how he's today's forte is to be a director. Yeah, extremely successful one. Now it seems. So <laughs> jumping right into science fiction in Hollywood and uh, starring Brad Pitt. Oh, uh, wasn't. That film, if I remember correctly, wasn't... Brad Pitt in Babylon. Damien Chazelle. Okay. I, I heard that. Got kind of a lukewarm reception. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say that. So. I haven't seen any of the other films that the guy has directed. I have seen Five Minutes of La La Land and I turned it off. But <laughs> that's uh, for some other folks out there, I believe, that kind of uh, movies. Master of his craft, so to say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How was it for you? I haven't seen La La. Oh, okay. I haven't seen anything else except Whiplash. But but seeing how how you managed to take La La Land for five minutes and turn, then turn it off, and La La Land still, as far as I've understood, it's a film about some type of a reaching out for Hollywood success uh, from rags to riches story, which always always gets you. Nets you the token net positives in in Hollywood circles. Well, if if you can't stom- if you couldn't stomach the movie more than five minutes, I'm saying that it. If I would try to watch it, it wouldn't be that great experience for me either. Well, I don't know. I, I'm just not a, not a musical movie guy. You may be more. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, that's it's that musical one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I know. I know. Yeah, yeah I, I've actively chosen not to watch that. Mm. It's really hard to get like a musical which 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 doesn't make you hate all the actors. Like something that would be more natural from scene to scene. And maybe something that doesn't break off the music. It should be like a continuous music perhaps. Uh, it, it, 
it's a musical. It's not going to do anything for me. Okay, coming from a musician. <laughs> yeah, the only mu- the only musical worth watching, worth paying attention to, is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. All right. Yeah. I tell me you've seen that. You cannot be all movies and all that if you haven't seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, of course not. I honestly can't tell you if I have. A film is a film is an institution. Never actually been yes, it is. into any of, any of the like. Sc- Official screenings or the screenings of the film, where you ha- have all the wh- where you would have the audience sing yeah. along the songs and throwing trash at the screen or or and <laughs> other that stuff. I haven't had that experience myself yet. Of course, me being stuck in Finland, where we are extremely conservative in our behavior, kind of affects that. <laughs> we would never have that that outlandish taking part with the film experience here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, I have seen it, of course. The bottom line is, it's Tim Curry in fishnet stockings and um, uh, what, what kind of... Is it a leather bodice or something, isn't it? And then you've got yeah. Meatloaf up on stage uh, doing a couple of tracks off of his first album as well. Yeah, it, it's... As, mu- as a musical, that's a musical. Should we get to the quickies? Henrik, ready? Yep. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Ding, 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 ding. The performance pedestal or Race and Brace or Barbecue One actor were needed. Who was your like or don't like actor here in other words? I'll just go with J.K. Simmons. Wonderful performance, obviously. Everyone is in top form, though. I disagree. I don't think J.K. Simmons did a very good job of being the person. I don't. Th- not that he was the wrong person for the job. I just don't think he did a very good job of it. I think you're just out of tempo, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm running six, eight time. <laughs> okay, that's actually that's a surprising take because also my favorite performance in the film was J.K. Simmons. All right. <laughs> I'm actually actually like if if I can trouble you a bit more, Pat. Like I said, I think he was. I think he's a very good actor. Yeah, but 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 he's a very good actor. But what but. didn't click with you? Oh, um, no, I think like I said, he's a very good actor. There's no question about that. He's very versatile across the board. In the majority of films he does, I think he's done a very good job. I just don't think he was correct for this role. Wow. Okay. I think without... With it, with it, not that not so much any other actor, but because he is the big, quite stocky, bald-head, quite muscular figure on it, it brought the sports scenario into it. Yeah, yeah, granted. That's that's what I that's that's the part that I I don't think worked for to have him as that character. I think and I think somebody else, I'm not sure who, but somebody else could have played the role and achieved a better result and also a better better result overall by removing that sports scenario from it. Good point. Good point. What worked? What worked in the film for you? For for me. Hmm. When you say yeah, when you say for you, there's two people listening. Um, <laughs> what worked for me? Um, the play button. <laughs> wow. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, <laughs> like I, I think what worked for me was that it showed the arrogance and pretentiousness of the the white man in the jazz world. It showed it showed it for what it is. 
because I, I've I've seen I've seen jazz musicians, classically trained jazz musicians in in the cities around me. Like there's a lot of the music schools around here, and they do drum. I've also seen it in Belgium. I've seen it in France, and I've also seen it in Italy, where it is drummed into the students, and they're bullied, and they are they you know they're they're crying. To put it bluntly, these young adults are left crying because of the brutality of how they're being spoken to, and all it's down to is. The arrogance and the pretentiousness of the person dictating to them how and what should be played. So, for that respect, I thought that film portrayed it very well. Mm. I'm just gonna be the the heretic of the show tonight and just go with the more mainstream uh, view, I guess, on the movie because I liked it quite a bit. I can say already. Uh, what worked for me was, you know, the structure as said uh the story the, the the goddamn pacing was was just really i never get go anywhere when i'm watching this this film i'm just kind of glued to it from the cinematography to the cutting to the yeah, yeah sure. just the whole ballet and the perform performances because that's the angle you look at it from yeah yeah and i look at it as a musician absolutely so so from that perspective all of what I said is kind of obvious, so let's just move on from that. Um, <laughs> Henrik, did you have anything to add? Uh, I'm pretty much for the same reasons as you, Gary. Not being a musician and coming into this film from completely different different point of view, I do agree with you. The thing that I liked about People Ash was that I think it's technically good. If not mm. even great. Yeah. It's a technically really good movie. I like the editing. I like the color correction that they had given to the film. The golden mm. hue that was there. I liked the performances. I liked how the story went on. It kept, kept me clued. Those are all technical aspects. And those I like. Yeah. No, I agree with that as well. Now, could it be that we could, Henrik, somehow make you see the film in a way that it that the movie would more click to you would you find some kind of a different perspective on looking at the end of the film perhaps what happens at the end of the film after the film something i would say no because that's kind of my answer to the next quickie question what didn't work okay what didn't work henrik to me it's the message or the message that i perceived that the film was was trying to form and that's what comes into the ending. That's that's what comes into the the choice that Mars makes when he ditches his girlfriend. To to me, that's all part of the film trying to form a message. And I really just did not side with it. And because of that, I also I I see it as quite a, quite impossible for me to e ever find a point of view or, or perception where I would could for example look at the ending of the film and the ending would really click with me i i think this is more like what worked again but i, I will just add that well Giselle may have his Giselle perspective on what he was trying to accomplish which is like d descent to madness more of that than anything else descent into madness and uh, from my perspective when you have at the end you have the close-ups to the father who is looking at his son. He's looking at him apparently in horror of what he has become. And in my perspective, 
it's somewhere dangling on the line there. It's a little bit of that horror. Yeah, probably because it was what they intended. When I was watching this film before knowing about the intention, I didn't get that image. I got the image of a father who was extremely proud and that the ending was all about validation. Validation from Fletcher, validation uh, eventually from the audience, validation from, from the father. But yeah, sure, okay. Father has a moment of um, realization of horror that this is not the same son that I had before. Look at, uh, look at where this has taken my son. Yeah, I, but also some admiration. I, I also had a similar experience when I first watched the film. I took that the ending was to show us how Miles kind of wins the situation. How it's supposed to be kind of a happy ending, Miles becomes the great musician that he's always wanted to be and he gets the the admiration from Fletcher and he and the audience and when it came to the point of view or the uh, the idea that the father is not looking looking at Miles in awe but exact, uh, instead in horror that's something that I only got from Chassel. yeah interviews and even those bloody interviews are kind of contradicting with each other because uh, there, I also found an interviews where he states that, you know, that was supposed to be some type of a success. That the, in that moment, Miles turns into a great musician and he becomes what he's always wanted to be. Yeah. And, and it, with, with that, you know, you would think that the whole world would just be in awe of him. So I do think that Chavez, the director at times, he's not outright contradicting himself in the statements of what happens, for example, at the end of the film. But he dangles extremely close to contradicting himself. Yeah, I think it's intentionally a little bit up to your interpretation type of ending. But it's it's fair what you say that, that if, if you take it like that, that, that the message of the film is more aching to this is what you should do to achieve greatness. Fair, that's how much of the audience also took it but well, there you go I sure don't... but at, at that same at, at that same point though to achieve greatness requires practice like i said to to my friend um, nick the uh, boy with down syndrome today the more you put in the more you will receive from it mm. so if, if you like you, you you buy any musical instrument and you go 10 minutes a day forever and you'll be playing 10 minutes a day but you'll only achieve 10 minutes a day's worth of of being able to play Whereas you put in 10 hours a day and you, you get so much more back. Do you believe that there is a magic line in every skill that if you if you put 10,000 hours to it, you will somehow become fluent? Well, 10,000 10, is the magic number. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. And it, it, really, it really is. It's, it's the magic number. Um, you put 10,000 hours into anything and you will be able to do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, coming coming back to what didn't work for me, what Henrik says that it's it's a problem with the messaging of the movie. For me, it's kind of a bonus to 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 keep it kind of in the in the in the dark. You draw your own conclusion. How so? Well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, everything's sub everything's subjective anyway, and it? because it's a film, it's written by somebody else, it's directed by another person. So even between those two aspects, it's subjective. Yeah. And the subjectivity, Pat, is what makes this a very artsy, artsy, artsy movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's no City of God, but it is an artsy movie. <laughs> well, 
Describe the film in one word. I'll go first. I'll go... I should have thought of some something musical for this, but I'll just go with something sporty. I think it fits in the end after all. Slam dunk. Okay. For my end, it's tempo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with conflated. All right. And something where we're just going to be ambushing Pat tonight. Unfortunately, I didn't list, send you the list of these questions in advance, but hey, this can be whatever whatever you want. So complete the sentence. You really know you're watching Whiplash when... Dot, 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 and I'll give you the first go. You really know you're watching Whiplash when your smug smile is quenched by an unhinged lunatic who screams at the top of his air ducts. What a miserable, useless, unsalted pretzel you are. And he'd be right. Okay, to give Pat more okay. time, I go next. You really know yeah, you're watching Whiplash when Starbucks takes an artist and turns him into a dictaphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you really know you're watching Whiplash when you have to Google every musical reference on it. <laughs> oh, really? That well, actually is, is absolutely true, and I have a point to make about that. I will save it for would you recommend the film section of the quickies, but I I have actually a, to, still a point to make about, you know, googling the musical references in this film. Yeah. I mean, look, the bottom line is, your average I'm I'm talking from an average person's point of view. Yeah. You 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 show this you show this movie to a musician and they understand. They they if they don't know the names, they know where the references are coming from or at least the era the references are coming from. If you know nothing about music and its construct, you need to google everything in it just to have an understanding of what's occurring. For me it was more like a background noise and I was like, okay, bad is going to clear anything up if needed. <laughs> <laughs> And, and mostly that works, and mostly that works, but unless you actually know some of the musical history, or you do your own googling after the film, there is actually a... I, I'm looking at the, the fucking Charlie Baker story here. There's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. great Good reference, that. possibility that you will actually misunderstood what is being said. Yes. And Charlie Parker's one, but even he's young in comparison to who they should be referencing. Because remember, jazz, well, it's early 1900s um jimmy chamberlain of the smashing pumpkins now that guy he's a grade eight classically trained jazz drummer playing for one of the rock bands in the world Who, who's the who's the guy that they reference in the film that they want him, want him to be like joe jones yeah 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 uh, yeah a any of those but even even those guys the, the guys they're referencing in that film are from like the 60s the 50s and 60s so go back another 50 years and you reach the musicians who created the drum beats that these guys are emulating in the 60s. Mm. And now we're in 2020, or when was filmed? 2014. 2014. So, you know, that's, this is another 50 years later, and these guys are now trying to emulate the guys that were emulating the guys before. Yep. Uh, it's the... Look, for me, I appreciate the film. I think it's a good film. I won't call it a great film because I don't think it is a great film. I think it's a good film. It's been well written. It's been well produced. It's, the screenplay on it is lovely. It's got nice color tones, like you say. And it, the oh yeah, the amber hue. Yes, the that that was a beautiful touch to it all. As a film, it's a good film. But for the subject of the film, 
I don't think they did a very good job of, of portraying it. So you're saying that this film is not your tempo? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, well, let's put, let me put it like this. Um, I watched it, and I thought then, yeah, that's okay, that's a good film. I, I like what they've done there. I like what they've done there. Um, whereas with Apocalypto, I stood up in the cinema and I said, I want the last two and a half hours of my life back, please. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So. All right, guys. Uh, would you ever rewatch the film? I will go and start with. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, that this is not a really question I would even even ask myself. Sure. I've watched it like five times already now at this point. Yeah, okay. Um, if it were on and I walked into somebody's house and it were on the it were on the screen, I wouldn't request it turned off. However, it's not so, it's not going to be in my go-to list of movies to see. Henrik. I'm kind of on the same note with Pat here. Uh, I might someday even put it on myself. Yeah. Take the, take out the DVD and put it on player and press press play. Most likely because of J.K. Simmons's performance here. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to answer yes, but most likely I'm not gonna watch it for five times. And then let's go for the last one. Would you recommend Whiplash? I would recommend The Doors. I I, I wouldn't yep. recommend Whiplash. Okay, uh, do, you care to go, do you care to go more into details? Yeah, are we talking about the cinema doors or the actual band doors? Oh, the, no, the, the film The Doors. I, th- I <laughs> think that's an exceptional film displaying the life of, of Jim Morrison and the, the band right. The Doors, obviously. As a, as a man who is not a great Doors fan and doesn't really know that much about Doors, I have to side with the film still is really great. Yeah. Well produced, mm. Oliver, Oliver Stone, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, he did an exceptional job with it. Before he lost his fucking marble. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 personally, I think it was an exceptional portrayal of of the film, and the fact that it's actually Val Kilmer doing the vocals is mind blowing. Yeah, he practiced and practiced and practiced to be able to sound like Jim Morrison. Well, my end to answer the question, uh, I'm kind of two minds about it. Like I already mentioned, I do think that technically it's a it's a good film. It's really uh, really enjoyable. I really do enjoy take a Simmons's performance here. Even though I must give it to Pat, he is right when he says that take a Simmons perhaps wasn't the correct actor for Fletcher due to the fact that what his physique brings into this movie. Uh, a great performance. Really de- deserve the the best supporting actor Oscar. Good job, J.K. But hang, hang on, hang on. He got an Oscar for it. Yep. It's yep. Best supporting wow. actor. Wow. Were there no other movies produced that year? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shots fired. It it it, no, it, no, it had no, a I... bored man yelling at a kid. It's always gonna win yeah, an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but technically, it is aside, I do think that Whiplash is a bad film about music, and it's a bad film about jazz. The yes. film's notion about musical brilliance is nothing more than just being two things. A, to be play, able to play, hit, play drums really fast, faster than light, and then also 
and B, to play despite the pain you feel. Whenever Miles is playing drums and the film is, is uh, picturing it like this is the moment that My Miles plays really well, Miles is always given exactly the opposite. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. None of them has any feeling in it. It's yeah. ba basically a gauntlet to these musicians. Yeah, because they're replicating, they're not creating. Yeah, and that's right. also why I do think that it's a bad film about music. Yeah, that's so. Because it kind, yeah. kind of shows you that great music is just that you emulate something else. Yeah. Some works that somebody has some someday done, you, you replicate exactly the notes. But nobody here is making their own music. And you can't replicate... Even me, as a musician, uh, don't get me wrong, I can play the same piece of music twice, three times, four times, five times, but it will never sound identical each time. Yeah, that really pissed me off here, seeing how Whiplash's, that the, the genre of music that it chose was jazz. Yeah. Where improvisation and the one-timey nature of the performance is a huge part of, the, of that genre. Like, it, had this been Spice Girls the movie or some, some synth pop <laughs> band movie? Movie, I, I could have then I could have sided with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just replicate the pre previous uh, yeah. song and you just hit the notes accordingly. Okay, fine. But no, Whiplash makes the knowing decision to choose jazz. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Which is about improvisation. Yes. I mean, don't, I, 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 I agree with everything. While it is, to replicate is a wonderful thing in this respect. And it is, because the people who they're playing to want to hear the music from their youth, for example. They want to be taken back in time. They want the nostalgia of it all. But they're not bringing anything new to the table. And without that progression, nothing new occurs. Yeah, and my, my second big problem with Whiplash is that I... And this is one of the reasons... And this is the reason why I find it hard to actually recommend Whiplash to others. Because I, from the film, I got the notion that the film tries to... Or the film feels that it's really asking a tough, hard question. But it asks you, is bullying and hazing and is, the, is Fletcher's of the world? Should we accept, accept them if they provide results? And it, I, I, I got the feeling that the film really feels, it really believes in itself that it now is somehow asking a hard, tough, difficult, philosophical question. Should we make the sacrifices in order to get the results? And mm. seeing the audience reactions or reading them in preparation to this episode, I also took that a lot of people who went in, originally went and saw Whiplash, felt that, yeah, that's the question that the film is asking, that it's a really difficult question, perhaps we should actually consider the Fletcher's point of view here. And the answer to all of those is just plain and fucking no. Yeah, I agree. No. no. The, the question is not smart. It's The bottom line is the man's a failure. Yeah, Fletcher is not a great teacher. He barely... Not a great musician either. He, he's not even a teacher. No. Yeah. He's not a great musician. He's not a great teacher. And, and, but he's demanding it from other people who he can't teach. Yeah. And th there is no question, should we accept the Fletchers of the world in order to get results? Because we don't get results from Fletchers. Yeah. 
I, I, I told you earlier what my response to be should I should I'm in that should I be in that situation? And it really would be if I have a chair thrown at me, I put my, I put whoever threw its head through the wall. Done. They don't throw a chair at me again. Yeah. And and the reason why why it re and the moment where it really started to stoop, like grind my gears, and I already promised previously that I get back into this point. Was the bloody Charlie Baker story here in the film? Yeah, mm. For it's it's repeated three times. Once by told by Fletcher, two times told by Miles, and they all tell it the way that Joe Jones throw threw the symbol at uh, Charlie Baker's head. Yeah, almost decapitated him as they stated here. The way how they tell the story, Joe, Charlie Parker was not hitting the notes. And Joe Jones loses his fucking temper and almost kills Charlie Parker with the symbol. Yep. That's how Whiplash tells the story. Yep. Yeah. And it's not true. Of course it isn't. It's, it's not true. Fletcher makes it up out of his ass and the film never actually questions that. Oh, it's not true. Uh, as, as far as I was able to actually... Like, this is where, where post-film watching Googling comes into play. I actually Googled this bloody story. Okay. And... As far as I understood, the way how it goes is that Charlie Parker is he's playing with a band, but but he's freestyling. He's going on his own. He's not playing the same music that the other band band is playing, and he kind of misses the notes also. So it's not really even that great, or it's it's not the best possible. Like if if you're freestyling despite of the other rest of the band, you have to kind of hit a certain level. And Charlie Parker can't quite reach that level, and yet, despite of that, he keeps on freestyling. Goes on for fucking forever. Until eventually, Joe Jones takes out the symbol and throws it at Charlie Parker's feet. Yeah. There is no physical danger. And it just happened to land near his feet. Mm. Yeah. So, so there, there is no decapitation. <laughs> there is no Joe Jones hating Charlie Parker for for the act that yeah. Charlie Parker is is not playing the notes with right tempo with right speed and hitting every note perfectly. No, it was yeah. about freestyling. And no, Charlie Parker didn't get off the stage. He didn't cry himself to sleep, and he didn't turn into bird as as a result of that. Yeah. So so the whole fucking. Fletcher justifies his actions with a story that he actually tells, that he blatantly lies about. Fletcher even should know how the story goes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's the over-dramatization, the, um, the imagination, the overactive imagination of a person that's trying to justify their own actions to reach the goal that that person wants because they are unable to achieve it without... The, the aggressive actions that he's portraying. Yeah. Uh, and and from there, I come into my conclusion that I recommend Whiplash as a technically well-made movie if if the audience can actually be and, you know, take all the everything that Fletcher says and throw it out of the fi- film and not listen to any of that nonsense. But yeah. if there is a slight... If there is even the tiniest possibility that you will watch Whiplash and start to think about, hey, this movie is really asking an inter- interesting question and perhaps Fletcher is even right in what he does. In that case, I don't recommend you check out Whiplash. I think 
to some degree, yeah, there is something to be learned about, like pushing pushing people. It, it shouldn't be a monster like Fletcher to one direction of teaching. It should be uh, like some kind of a mix of, of two different teaching styles. Something could be taken from the old world and mixed with the teaching that we have today. Because obviously what we have today is not always something that motivates or makes people study. No, of course. Study. But at that same point though, Carrie, you have um, what's been learned, and it's so important, is that while a teacher may teach and a student must learn, or not must learn, but students do learn, the fact is it's changed from a teacher dictating what is and learning how to teach each student individual individually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. another point here is that basically the balance in, in demand today, or, or if you take the old world, like you said, and you compare it to the, the modern world, the world of today, well, of course, the scales are automatically going to be tipped for the old world, because you are looking at tens, hundreds, perhaps even 2000 years worth of art. Of maestros and ma masters who have managed to make, like, there, there's a huge time gap from where you can find masterpieces. And then you can look at the today's world and say that we don't have as many masterpieces. But that's obviously going to be the fact, because what, what we have... I'll have you know, son, we've got Crazy Frog. We had Crazy Frog. Yeah, yeah, well... Yeah. How can you say there's no masters? <laughs> oh, bloody hell, I forgot Crazy Frog. Freddy got fingered. <laughs> yeah. is, is a better movie than people actually give it credit to. Uh, yeah. If, if you would actually look for a really real masterpiece, if you really would want to make... have a film that is... is a statement of, you know, your... Your freak who isolates him from everything in order to achieve greatness. What you would get is Freddy Gottfried. It's a surrealist masterpiece of the modern age. <laughs> and it's a, just a one film. Yeah. I'm just going to jump off on another tangent, but I just got to get it out of my system. You mentioned Slash, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was just well, an example of... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, go on. Yeah. I'm not sure how this very technical guitar players your your bucket heads and bumblefoots and what have you i wonder if they had any kind of fletchers of the world there behind pulling the strings but what i gravitate towards and this may, may be sacrilegious to you fine but as a massive guns and roses fan uh, i have to say that slash is part of the picture of guns and roses no doubt about that of course but what i really gravitate towards is also some of the other geniuses that have frequented the band. There's been, of course, Buckethead is more known as a, a solo artist and prefers to be known as such because of the, you know, bad blood that happened there when he left, etc. But I seem to gravitate towards many of these technically extremely talented guitarists. And yeah, there are these people who say that eh, it doesn't have any soul in it. It's not really on or off. I, I, I think there's a lot to be said about Buckethead's music. Also goes to Bumblefoot here. He, he, he was in Guns N' Roses from 2001 to 2004. Uh, That's... He, he's like basically a guitar virtuoso as his... I don't know, I just... You, you mentioned Tool, so obviously you seem to like also 
masters of their crafts who are um, who are very technical, but they also have soul. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about layers of me, layers within the music I'm listening to. So, for example, again, I'll reference to Smashing Pumpkins, or even better, I'll reference Nine Inch Nails. The mm. Nine Inch Nails, one of my all-time favorite bands. Absolutely. Then you love phenomenal. Robin Fink. Robin I, Fink. To, to a point. To a point. I, I do have time for it, and I will choose to put it on. But there are things that I also don't like about it. Um, but to go with it, mm. to just come back to the Nine Inch Nails on this one. We look. If you want to look at musical greatness, and I don't mean when I say musical greatness, I don't mean somebody that the world recognizes, somebody that's uh, that covers all platforms that all people would listen to, because simply not everybody will listen to the, the likes of the Nine Inch Nails. But we're talking mm. about Trent Reznor specifically, who as a 14-year-old boy, was playing trombone for his school high school, who then mm-hmm. went on to form a, 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 what's it, a mid-80s synth duet, and then went from there to form the Nine Inch Nails, who are still going now after they released their first album in 1987. They still right. do world tours now to sell out crowds in stadiums. Right. And that's a big band. That's somebody, that, that's a, that's a band. band that... Yeah, that's that's a band who have achieved success, and it's only through the intelligence of the music. There's a couple of tracks yeah. that they do where they can't even play them live because they are so technical. There's so much going on in them. Yeah, and I would be the first guy that I I just wanted to say that Slash to me doesn't come off as technical in the least. I think oh, he's he, a very sloppy guitar player, but he's, he's he has a lot of soul and improvisation. He is an exceptional blues guitarist. Mm. Exceptional blues guitarist. Not a technical guitarist, right? No, but you ask him to play funk and he gets lost. Yeah. You ask sure. him to play. You ask him to play acid jazz and he doesn't know what he's doing. But as a <laughs> as a blues guitarist, he is a phenomenon and always has been. Yeah, he's great. One of the greats. As a blues guitarist. Yeah. And, and to take a side tangent, also to my for myself from you know the guitarist discussion that you guys were having. Uh, don't really know that many guitarists. Don't most definitely don't know about their background, backgrounds. But uh, I did once look up, looked up Bucket Buckethead myself, and mm. when it came to his teachers, I've understood that Buckethead was trained by people like Paul Gilbert and and Johnny Fortune and, and yeah. some elderly man who who lived. <laughs> in his neighborhood, and none of those people, as far as I've actually looked into their, their teaching methods, none of them is a Fletcher tier asshole. No, of course. So, yeah. Buckethead is not a product, is not a pro- product of a of a Fletcher. Yeah. It's actually a product of a pretty easygoing music teachers, and, yeah. and you know, musicians. The fair enough. I, look, when it, when it comes to educating people on music, um, I've, I'm of the mind that I will not teach anybody how to play music. What I will do is help them to learn. Yeah. And there's a very big difference between the two. Amen. Yeah, showing the way and leaving them alone. Yes. Right. Yeah, if they have their way that they want to walk, and I'll help them along it. I will help them to walk the path they choose. What I won't do is dictate to them which path they should choose. All right, dear... Dear listener, we have reached a point where we will leave you alone. <laughs> but just for a moment, we could discuss about Pat Smith's works. So I understood nothing much going on right now musically, but you have a 
musical background, you have albums out there somewhere. Is there any way to listen to it or or, or to follow yeah, sure. you on the interwebs? Um, I I I I I pulled everything from the internet really, other than my, my music's online. You can go to any streaming platform, um, search out Pat Smith Wonder by Starlight or Pat Smith No Respect. And you'll find either a single or my first album, and then you can follow the links appropriately to, to find my discography. Um, there's a couple of albums so far. There's, I think, three singles, two EPs, or two e two singles and three EPs. I don't remember. Yeah, you can listen, by all means. If you're looking for a Facebook page, don't have one. I pulled that offline. Um I don't do TikTok. I, I, I'm generally not on social media, to be honest. I, I don't waste my time with it. I couldn't see you in TikToks like ever. No, I, I mean, like, don't, I, I, I personally, I have a Facebook page, but that's generally just to tell politicians that they're sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, there are some tracks that, well, I used to listen to a lot of a couple of the tracks out there, so I'm sure there's good stuff to be found for our listeners. Yeah. Music is what music is. It's each to their own, and it's all subjective. Amen to that. One, I, may I say one thing? One thing that does gripe me, and this is a, it is a, it's something that I'll, I'll I'll get over. Like, but you take Facebook, and you've got all these DJs out there, and they've got musician band as their description. I didn't realize being able to count to four made me a musician or a band. I wasn't aware of that one. Have you tried DJing? It's it's pretty hard, right? Well, counting to four, counting, <laughs> counting to four to is four. easy, mate. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Look, I just did it. The, the timing of things, rhythm of things, uh, mixing them all together into something listenable. But it's counting to four. <laughs> I mean, you can stretch it, and in those four, you can put 32 beats and call it drum and bass at 180 beats a minute. But it's uh, still only counting to four. To, to actually to, to side with side with Pat here, DJing, and I I speak from experience because I have seen this happen. DJing is so easy that even a politician can do it. Yep. There we go. It's playing. Okay, so it's playing other people's. Mu it's pressing play and counting to four does not make a person a musician. Uh huh. And what about those who do it more manual way? Who have actual old-school gear, not computers. Well, it, uh, no, it, computers or decks, it's irrelevant. It's still counting to four and playing, pressing play and counting to four. If they play the bass, if they play the drums, if they play the horns, if they play the, the string section, if they play the guitars, if they play the keys, that's musicianship. But pressing play and counting to four... That's not a band, and it's it's stretching the limits of being a musician to the ultimate, in my opinion. And I'm sure it's not, I, I know that it's not only my opinion either. Wait, did you just Fletcher right there? Because I've been dreaming of becoming at some level of DJ at some point. <laughs> yeah, sure, and by all means, by all means, do it. But recognize that being a disc jockey is not being a musician. You're a disc jockey. Got it. You're a disc jockey. You play other people's music and you mix other people's music together by pressing play and counting to four. So in order to be a musician, you would have to also play guitar while you are DJing. Hey, Not necessarily a guitar. Interesting. Just, just to be able to play any musical instrument. You could sit there with a triangle and just go ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There, I just counted to four again. 
but I'm making a sound <laughs> on an instrument. Yeah, you, yeah, it's just a gripe of mine. It does my head in. <laughs> All right, hey. Anyway, rant over. No. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, this was fun. Throwing the ball to our listeners, would you want to be instructed by Fletcher? Come and comment on our Facebook and X and Instagram and other socialistic medias out there. Uh, <laughs> you can also leave us basic feedback via email. You can uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you think this content was really valuable, you can also give us a coin or a few on our Patreon page. Henrik, Henrik, what's going to happen in our next episode? He's going to learn how to count to four. <laughs> <laughs> well, could be among things, but we're definitely going to we're going to have a guest to talk about the Czech film, actually Czechoslovakian film, Uho, the Ear, U C H O. Thank you for tuning in. See you in the next one. Oh, until then, welcome. And as you can hear, we're kind of all under the weather, so sorry about the audio quality problems this week. And that's Are we it. still recording? <laughs> uh, we're still recording. <laughs> he's strict, but he's fair. Blah, 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 blah. Strict, but he's fair. Blah, 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 blah. And... Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah.